Hello and welcome to Saladcast, episode 36. I'm myself, Ollie and Glyn. How are you doing, Glyn? Well, I'm still alive after a weekend away in Blackpool, Ollie, so I'm carrying that as a pretty, su- pretty successful uh, situation at the moment. But um, yeah, an hour of talking might not do my voice so much, so good. So yeah, ask me that question in an hour, Ollie, and see where we get to. <laughs> yeah, you're a bit delicate today, Glyn, so you know you should be really put in the pod first. So mm. if, every time you make a mistake, I've got a special present for you, haven't I? So any time you make a mistake... Uh. To wake you up, Glenn, with a, with, a, with a horn. I think that's much needed, to be fair, because uh, like a lot of Shrewsbury Town fans who are probably only getting back now, I came back quite early this morning. But um, it's been a fantastic weekend. You know, take the football out of it. It was a very proud kind of weekend for the football club, I think, in terms of what our fan base can achieve. So um, yeah, we'll come to, we'll come to Blackpool later on, won't we? But um, yeah. yeah, it's been a good week, really, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been interesting weeks. Um, and yeah, obviously two games um, again. Um, so yeah, let, let's jump into the um, let's jump into the Peterborough game. So Tuesday night, um, unfortunately, I couldn't be there. I was down um, in London with work. I just couldn't get out of it, um, and I wasn't prepared to drive all the way there and back. Um, <laughs> so I decided to watch the Champions League game, which was actually very entertaining. Yep. Um, and followed the game with you and Lewis Cox. So that was quite enjoyable. Obviously, the first half I was quite happy I didn't go, and the second <laughs> half I felt like I missed out on a few goals. Um, well, I think I think a few people were like you, Ollie, because the attendance was pretty low. It was the lowest home attendance of the season in the league. That was Ollie. Just just to, just say no and. Um, yeah, I suppose it's it's been coming, hasn't it, with with the sort of vibes at the football club about we're going to be taking these games as sort of a little bit of a pre-season and we're going to be trying things. <clears throat> it's it's difficult for people to get too excited about these games, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, I didn't realise it was 4,666. Um, 4, so, yeah, quite a low. And I imagine Peterborough didn't bring many fans. No, they had probably about 30, 40 there. And as I say... In, oh, in, in, whoa, that's really low. Yeah, it was, well, maybe a few more than that. It didn't look many, but... Um, yeah, they, they were going for. They still could have tried to almost get in the playoffs, couldn't they? But I think you know it was a pretty outside shot, so it wasn't like a pressure game for them either, really. But no. um, yeah, the interesting thing about attendance is I'll probably bring this stat up now. Is yeah, it's good. I saw that. Yeah, every even, week. even though we've got we only got four thousand six hundred odd in in that game, the actually the attendance have been way up this season. So generally, in the ten years at the in the new meadow, we've we've gone between an average home attendance for league games of five thousand two hundred, um, and maximum I think in one of the promotion seasons of about five thousand eight hundred, nine hundred, something like that. But if we only get uh, you know four or five thousand for the last game of the season, which we probably won't, last game of the season will probably be a bit higher. We'll actually have our first plus six thousand um, average attendance for home games this season since we moved to the, moved to the new meadow. So as much as we've been sort of debating about the crowds where they have or haven't gone like the way we would have wanted. It, when you look at it across the whole season, it does show that you know we have had a little bit of an uptick in crowds this season, which I was a bit surprised when I actually found that stat out. Yeah, we've been you've been saying all season that you thought it would be higher. Yeah, um, yeah. but but it is what it is, I guess. Um, so um, who's in goal? So obviously a bit of change in this team. Um, that was one of the things I think surprised a lot of fans. Um, I'm sure as they were coming into the, the stand and also obviously everyone online so McGillivray came in goal Hendry came in um, Beckles played central defence with Toto um, and Lowe was left back then Godfrey um, sitting um, but actually yeah interesting question I'll ask you about the formation in a second so you had Bryn Morris Godfrey and Jones and then Thomas and Issa and then Payne up front um, so obviously a mixing and matching and resting players kind of team um, but what I watched unfortunately I, did, I kind of did this the wrong way around I kind of watched I started watching the full game I've only really watched the first half Jeez. and then the highlights so yeah I made a bit of a mistake there um, but um, yeah just out of interest was it, was it a kind of slightly different change of formation 
Um, I noticed that Thomas and Issa were swapping wings quite a bit. Oh, yeah, they swapped all the time. They swapped after about five minutes, to be fair, and, and just to try them up against different right and left backs, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I guess it kind of... Sometimes it was almost like a, a three midfielders stretched across and then Thomas and Issa almost playing off Payne. And then at yep. times it was very much... Got, Jones was the most advanced player playing behind Payne with a, with a standard four, four midfielders behind with Thomas and Issa as the wingers. So... Like we're mixing around a lot with of players. different flexibility. Yeah, and I think that's probably a good idea. Is just to see how it worked. Um, whatever yeah. we tried in the first half didn't really work because we, we weren't very <laughs> good. But um, you know, no. it was it was a mix and match kind of players and a mix and match kind of, of tactical um, setup as well. But uh, you know, as we talked about last week, it, we've got to just do this, haven't we, at the moment? So we're going to have to just you know take it on the chin. Thought we were going to get hammered, to be honest with you, in this game, and um, especially when we went one 0 down later on, which we'll come to. But it turned out not to be that way. It was um, it was good, wasn't it? It was pleasing um, not to lose two games to Peterborough, um, which was just quite nice and obviously um obviously they had quite a um let's say a standout character in their um, in their box they did yeah in their, so sorry in their management area it's always nice to put one over steve evans isn't it to be fair and actually to we'll, we'll, we'll be fair to steve evans at the end of the game he was incredibly complimentary about shoes Town. he said we're, we're the best team you know we're the best team in the league and we're, we're the most you know the team that should be given the most praise to be fair so quite nice to hear that off him because we've not been the most positive to him over the years have we but i think the nice thing was as well it means that we've avoided um, anyone doing the double over us this season, you know, winning home and away against us because Peterborough were the only team that could do that, obviously, um, this season. So, yeah, that was quite another positive for the team this year, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. And, um, yeah, so how did, how did the first half go? It was rubbish. <laughs> it wasn't very good to watch the first half. Um, and I think the mix and match, na- mix and match na- nature of it um, probably leads us to the fact that it took probably 10, 20 minutes um, for us to figure out what was going on. And we weren't really good the whole of the first half. Actually, we probably started off a little bit better. Maybe the first five minutes was the best. Players coming into the team wanted to prove themselves. But in general, it was quite disjointed, to be honest with you, Ollie, I thought. And, um yeah, we had the first real chance of note. Godfrey sort of shot wide. It wasn't a particularly good finish. Um, I think the standout player that everyone was enjoying watching was Issa, who carried on that sort of form from the last game of being direct, running at players. Um, so that was good to to watch, you know, positive football. Um, it was quite interesting that, you know, a player like Issa who's stepping up from, you know, absolute non-league, nowhere, nowhere football to be playing League One football was completely upstaging Nathan Thomas, who had an awful game. The whole game, he wasn't very good. Who's come down from the championship yeah. that's had. It's crazy, isn't it? And so it does show you the sort of trajectories of their careers, maybe, because uh, one's trying to take his chance, and the other one's seems to just be not asked at the moment about his chances when he's getting them. And we'll come maybe to Thomas a bit more, because he was definitely the most unimpressive player of the game. Um, but yeah, so, th- so that good start sort of wilted away after five minutes, and uh, Posh tried to get a bit more of the ball. Uh, and they scored on 14 minutes, which was just a long shot, really. So you've seen the highlights. What did you think of the goalkeeping? Um, I th- it was it was a long effort, range effort. Um, I don't think I could put any um, any blame on McCovery for that. Um, I don't know if anyone did in the crowd. I don't think so, really. No, I think everyone obviously always first point of call when you get a long shot is to start thinking about whether the keeper could have, you know, dived a bit earlier or left it a bit later. But nah, for me, it was it was a pretty good shot to be fair. Quite quite down low it was a difficult one to save and McGivery played well the rest of the game so it was a bit unfair on him really to to conceded a goal but um yeah 40 minutes and then and then so that that's that sort of poor five minutes before Peterborough um scored kind of went on then I think we got down ourselves a little bit and um yeah we didn't really play too much football it was very slack Bryn Morris wasn't overly positive in midfield um I say Thomas didn't play very well. I didn't... So what was the pass in like then? Was it quite poor? Yeah, I, I, was, I was kind of half watching it for honest. I was doing stuff for the wedding um, this morning, but yeah, it just seemed a bit sloppy. And I was listening more to probably what the commentary, the BBC Shropshire commentary, Mark Elliott wasn't particularly impressed with the the passing. No, it was awful lot, and also when we did have it, it wasn't very 
attacking minded it wasn't very forward thinking you know the, the worst balls we were playing were the attacking balls to be honest with you that's where we were losing it we were trying to play in pain maybe and um, yeah it wasn't wasn't quite working to be honest with you and I thought Jones who did come on better in the second half didn't really play very well in the sort of more advanced attacking role um, so it wasn't really much to, to hang your hat on really as a Chief Town fan in, in that half um, worst thing was Issa got booked for diving um, which was really unfair it wasn't a dive um, but no BBC Shropshire said it wasn't a dive yeah. either and I didn't think it was a dive watching it back either no, it wasn't. Definitely wasn't. It was right in front of the West End, and uh, they certainly gave the referee both barrels. Um, the, the best thing to come out of it really was the defence looked really solid. So um, yeah, I think that was probably the best thing to take away. But so I went into half time thinking, crikey, with a, with a bunch of fringe players and one nil down against what had looked like a fairly competent Peterborough team. Um, you know, we were going to be struggling to get anything out of the game. But uh, I don't know what Paul Hurst said to us in the at half time because they came out completely differently and and, and really turned it on. So. Um, yeah, so what was different then at half? What was different on, out of out of half time then? Did you notice it straight away? Yeah, we seemed to just try and step up a yard and and try and get nearer players. We weren't really pressing very well in the first half, and we we started to get into Peterborough. Um, for me, one of the game changing moments came quite early on into the first into the first, into the second half because they had a chance where they should have gone two 0 up, and um, Craig McGivley made a brilliant save. Um, and I think if it had gone two 0 there, that would have been game over. And I think that when they missed that chance. I actually think as much as we stepped our level up, Peterborough really, really went in on themselves. It was a completely different performance from Peterborough. Don't know what they were playing at, to be honest with you. And once Town smelled a little bit of blood, um, particularly after they got the goal, which wasn't too too long later, um, I think that was more what changed the game, really. It was Peterborough's, Peterborough's coming off the levels that they'd been at the first half. Well, it's Peterborough are quite an interesting side, aren't they, really? Because, you know, they are one of the highest spenders in the league. Obviously, yep. they always balance the books and they always make a lot of money, don't they, selling players from non-league and they've done that very successfully mm. doing that. But they do they you know they do spend money um and obviously they were quite active in january and it just seems like there's almost say a mentality issue maybe in their squad it's it's odd because they've got the guy taylor from from newcastle remember is it steven taylor he's you know an ex premiership yeah the pre- center, center, he's played center half in newcastle yeah, didn't he he's still center half there and and in the first half he didn't look like he was troubled and then all of a sudden you know they got the collie wobbles in the second half and he looked all at sea most of the times we attacked um so it's a very very odd performance and i guess that's the reason why they've not ended up getting into the playoffs it's just you know whether it's lack of consistency in a game or maybe lack of consistency across ninety minutes, but um, they certainly put in a very um, you know two tone performance. I thought Peterborough, but fair play to Sam. They took advantage of how poorly they played, and as I say, from from that chance that they missed to go two 0 up, um, we went up the other end, forced a corner, and it was quite funny because the corners we took were awful. So we had one corner that I think Thomas took it, and it went first man, and there was a big groan of a groan around the stadium. Went out for another corner though. Luckily, Thomas took the next corner. He put it in exactly the same spot. A Peterborough defender at the first at the, at the front post again. It went straight to him. But this time, luckily for Town, the defender just completely messed it up, and there was a bit of a scramble in the box. And uh, yeah, the, the man Omar was on on hand to knock in his uh, fourth goal of the season. Yeah, it was quite a scrappy one, wasn't it? But Not great. it was enough to get us going again. Yeah, it did get us going. And to be fair, Omar's been sort of popping up with the goals, hasn't he? And uh, yeah, sort of swivel and volleyed at home. You can't really complain about the finish. Yeah, it's a good reaction. It yeah. was a very good reaction from him. So yeah, fair play to that. And then from then on, it was one of the more interesting things that happened in the game was Joe Riley came on. Obviously, he's been he'd been missing since he had his sort of um, unfortunate you know family tragedy that he's been going through. And it was it was great to have him come back on. Um, he got a fantastic reception from the crowd, Ollie, which was which was brilliant. A sort of yeah, good ovation nice. of one Joe Riley. And um, interestingly, came on for Godfrey, and he played in Godfrey's role and it was fairly effective, to be honest with you. So that was a bit of a shocker. League One and um, Philip Lahm. Yeah, he could be. To be honest with you, well, maybe we'll, maybe he'll be going to the World Cup as well. You never know. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good, and I was really glad that he came on. And uh, we'll come to maybe um, 
Blackpool where he played right back and actually I thought he struggled but really for this for this cameo when he came back it was it was all he would have wanted really so yeah fair play and I'm glad to have him back and and yeah you only wish him still good wishes him and his wife don't you so um yeah yeah so and and he came on and he did the same job Godfrey was doing really and, and we kept on top I think from that point on I think the midfield three so actually, how did Godfrey get how did Godfrey get on do you think it was just to keep his like keep him fresh or uh, he pretty he pretty much cruised through the game Godfrey uh, he didn't overcommit to any tackles um but, you know he's definitely someone trying to keep his powder dry he did what he needed to do you wouldn't say any more about his performance than that really and I think the reason he came off was yeah he's like a lot of these young lads we've been slagging through 50 games this season anything we can save in his legs is going to help us isn't it yeah no definitely and I think I've got no qualms mixing it up um, it was interesting in the previous um, previous interviews Doggy said didn't he that you know, he doesn't really believe in going into the forming playoffs. Nope. Uh, and interesting, there was a stat that 25% of the winners in the League One playoff have finished third. Yep. yep. Um, so, yeah, there's a, it's quite an interesting debate, isn't it? And I guess it's, yeah, Doigi said that it's, it's all about how the players react on that game, which I think is, you know, I'll, I'll take you, I'll take you, obviously, you know, he's a lot more about football than me and you, so I'll take his word on so that. He, he said he's, yeah, he, he said himself he's been in playoffs and he said, you know, the form didn't make any difference. And he's, you know, personally that he's, he's had evidence of that. So it's an interesting debate. And, yeah, I think it's. I think for me, play, it's going off a bit of a tangent. Um, I think playing Issa has been a big benefit of this mm. kind of period. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, giving Wally and Nolan a rest, I think is good um, as well. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting debate, which um, hopefully we'll see whether it bears fruit or not. We'll see, won't we? And as I say, we've got four points this week, so it hasn't really derailed us that much in terms of performances. I know the two games before that haven't been good, and we were playing our best team then, so it swings around, actually. It's a bit odd, isn't it? But um, yeah, yeah uh, the rest of the game was, was pretty much all town. I won't spend too long going through it, but obviously we scored another two goals. Um, I say the midfield three sort of started to dominate really well. Um, and yeah, defender sort of hung around on the ball. I don't know if you saw the second goal, he was sort of ambling around. Issa nicked it off him. Uh, sort of, uh, sort of, either he tackled him and it went straight through to Payne's run. Um, got one on one with the goalkeeper and shot to good deflection went in. And I'm not sure whether it was going in, but yeah, you, you imagine the way that Payne's luck's been going in front of a goal recently that he probably just needed that deflection. So a bit of a relief for him, I imagine. Yeah, it reminds me of some of the goals he scored earlier in the season. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, um, you know, they don't all have to be uh, you know worldies, do they? It's um, it's all about getting the ball in the back of the net, and yeah, good goal. And yeah, it's nice to see him have a one on. He was like kind of one on one with the keeper, wasn't he? You know, running down at goal, a um, bit of pressure on the defender. But it was good to see him, you know, take his chance. Mm. Yeah, all round play was okay to be honest. First half, he wasn't very good, much like the rest of the team. He was very isolated. But when we got going in the second half, he really did contribute. You know, he, he kept running. He didn't. He didn't sort of drift out of the game like Morris has been doing recently. And, and I, you know, we've got a debate maybe next week um, going into the playoffs, which striker we play. Um, for me, at the moment, I would be siding with uh, Payne. I don't know about you at the moment, but maybe we should have a long debate about that next week. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a debate about playoffs. Maybe the end of and, and yeah. next week. It's coming, isn't it? Um, and then yeah, right at the end, the shop had come on, and he got a late goal uh, after he was played in by Ganua. Um, slight deflection on that goal as well. I think I can't quite tell from the replay or, or at the match, but um, some people were saying there was a deflection. But again, either way, it didn't matter. And three one, we haven't scored three goals many times this season, have we? So came out of no, nowhere. I was, I was watching. I was preparing for the pod, thinking, oh, yeah, I'd missed out on a couple of goals again. Mm. Just... And it was nice actually for us to get put a good 45 minutes in because um, the last few weeks the 45 minutes in the second sorry well second half you know the second halves have been the worst haven't they that's where we've just got let, let ourselves really either get dominated or we've let the game go um, so it's nice to us actually show that we can play well in the second half of game still so 
yeah, that was probably another big positive to take away from it. But yeah, three points was uh, handy in the league. Still keeps us on target for potentially um, breaking our um, most points in a season record, which would be another nice little target, wouldn't it? So um, yeah, all in all, it was good. Yeah, no, it was good. It was nice to get that win. And so, yeah, pretty chuffed. Obviously, Liverpool did well in the Champions League at this point, so, um, mm. sitting in a hotel in London. And yeah, it's nice to see those goals come flooding through. So yeah, pretty <laughs> pleasing. Um, we didn't quite get as many as Liverpool. <laughs> no, we didn't, no. Um, we didn't get seed as many either. Um, so who was your top three in this game, Glenn? Um, I went for Beckles, um, obviously playing centre-back again, so he's, he's getting used now to being shifted between centre-back and left-back at the moment, isn't he? And um, he slots in at centre-back really well, doesn't he, if we're going to say it? Um, he's, he doesn't really have any problems at centre-back. Maybe he struggled a little bit against Bradford in, in left-back, but his recent form has been pretty good for me. Um, so yeah, scored a goal, was decent all through. Um, I gave East a second place, just for his positivity and um, of sort of the attacking players who were going to get up with the with the front, with the front striker um, of sort of Thomas and Jones, he was probably the best of those three. Um, and then I went for Toto for third as well because I, I thought the centre backs were just both solid together. So yeah, that was my top three. So um, yeah, obviously in, in our in our um, agenda and our template for doing the podcast at this point, it normally says um, Paul Hurst um, post match comments, um, but we had to edit this section obviously the first time this season um, <laughs> in the league. Um, um, and it had Danny. We've got now Danny Coins um, comments. So, yeah, again, it's he's um, in the build-up to the games. Um, Paul Hurst hasn't been doing the interviews. Um, I've got my kind of own opinion, but yeah, Glenn, what, what's your view on this? Well, it's hard, it's hard to tell, isn't it? There's obviously the conspiracy theory going around, which is backed up by some other elements, such as we'll, we'll come to them later. But you know, being linked yeah. to the Ipswich job and the, the way he applauded the fans at the end of the Blackpool game, and there's this conspiracy theory that he's <laughs> getting us ready for life without him. Who knows? You know, we can't we can't say one way or the other where that's happening. But um, you know, it doesn't really help uh, the matter when people have been talking about it all week, and he still continued to not do interviews on Saturday as well. But I, I guess he's just taking a break from it all and trying to trying to focus on on. Maybe for me, it might be a way of putting the focus on him rather than the players in the run up to the playoff because that's what fans are talking about, isn't it? No one's, you know, everyone's asking what's going on with Hurst at the moment, and it seems to be sort of dominating a bit of the online conversation, and especially when I was talking to people at Blackpool. So maybe it's a little trick that he's trying to play. Yeah, I, I think I personally think it's, um, I think whatever happens next season and beyond um, is. No, I don't think plays any part in who does the interviews now. Um, and let's be honest, like I've listened to Paul Hurst. Well, how many times we've had? Obviously, played you know forty odd games in the league. We've had FA Cup games and we've had Checker Trade. I think Paul Hurst, and also we have the the Monday and whatever you know the Monday and then the later in the week interviews. I think he's just maybe just a little bit fed of, of no offence to Lewis Cox or um, the BBC Shropshire, normally James um, James Bond. Um, but I think he's probably just a bit tired. Mm. <laughs> he's just a bit sick and tired of doing it. You know, the, while they're mixing it up on the team, he's also decided to have a bit break from it himself. So I didn't really see anything. I think it's 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 fun and it's a bit of conspiracy theory, but I yeah. don't really see anything anything in it. It's, it's funny because um, you might even want to just put a bit of a shine on his backroom staff who've worked remarkable this season and um, you know deserve as much credit as, as anyone else for for the way we played this season. You know, goalkeeping tra- goalkeeper cone. Goalkeeper coach Danny Coyne has obviously, you know, put a lot of work in. We're working with Henderson and McGivery and, and and that's paid dividends. And obviously, he's been giving Doigie interviews as well. who's his right hand man, and so yeah, giving them a bit of a shine in the press is quite nice. I can understand why the press wouldn't be very happy though, Ollie, because you know there is that fundamental thing about well, you're not even interviewing the manager. You know, when you take that to your editor or you you take that to the radio station, I imagine it doesn't look great. But um, there's not much they can do about it really, other than complain. And obviously, those complaints haven't really gone anywhere. I think. Um... I think it's probably if it had been done a bit more consistently throughout the season, maybe then it wouldn't be such a surprise. 
obviously I don't know what happens in the Premier League it's probably contractual you have to the manager has to do it um, occasionally Mourinho hasn't he's got a way of doing it and um, obviously Alex Ferguson famously didn't didn't get interviewed by the BBC for years mm. um, but yeah so yeah, I, I wonder really whether they've docked Paul Hurst wages if he's not doing interviews you know technically he's not <laughs> yeah. doing all his job maybe he should be on the half pay or something <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did Danny actually say so he said that the lads, the lads responded well to managers um, half time team talk uh, they took anything on board you can see the result of that second half so we were on the front put passed it better and created a lot of chances um, the gaffer is saying from day one it's a squad game the whole squad um, were involved at, at the time and at some point they're all going to be called upon so we've got to be ready we've got to be fit and they've got to be good to go and it's obviously they're referring to the playoffs so yeah. nothing um, nothing um, revolutionary or um, you know um, standoutish in the comments but as you said as you as you hinted to Glenn there's obviously a big change at half time in this game yeah, exactly, and then obviously the the words worked. I, I still am conv- convinced that it was a bit more of of Peterborough stepping their levels down for whatever reason, and maybe you know you get managers p- giving people positives. You don't imagine that Steve Evans can be the most positive of uh, managers at times, do you? And he might have given them you know a big rocket at half time that that set them back rather than got them positive. So you don't know what goes on in changing rooms, but it's not just what happens in one changing room, is it? It can be what happens in both changing rooms. But yeah, what can you say about these these games at the moment? The interviews are pro- quite difficult either way, aren't they? Because you know, they're just going to ask the same question about dead rubbers and who, who stood out and who didn't stand out and what we're going to do in the playoffs. <laughs> That's the only question they're going to answer. So there we go. So that was the that was the end of the, the uh, Peterborough game. Um, three points and away we went. And then everyone started to look forward to a nice sunny weekend in Blackpool, Ollie. Cool. So, um, yeah, so um, weekend's game um, was away at Blackpool, a game that uh, the Shooter Towns have been looking forward to. Um, obviously, a lot of people had booked hotels and stuff um, in anticipation of... Um, Potentially, what could have been, you know, a promotion ceiling weekend. Mm. Um, but also, obviously, we were hoping that the summer was coming, and obviously, we said, you know, it's, <laughs> it's this kind of celebration of the season as well. So, also, there's a lot of reasons why a lot of town fans went to this. I did book a hotel, and I cancelled it, um, <laughs> and I kind of just, I, I kind of felt like I needed to kind of, if I'm honest, it was really wedding stuff, but also, yeah, I've been away a lot this season, so yeah, that was my decision. Um, but you, but you stayed, didn't you, Lynn? So you stayed. So yeah, yeah. you got there on the. Let's just yeah, you got. Let's just do the preamble now. So you got there on the Friday, didn't you? I went down on the Friday. Yeah, I think I mentioned last week we went to play golf. Um, we ended up playing playing at a place called Knotts End near Fleetwood. So only about half an hour north of Blackpool. You bloody love Fleetwood. <laughs> oh yeah, I was saying that we played across the estuary from where the ground was. You could see the floodlights as we went out on the first nine. And uh... I think one day you're gonna you're gonna say you move <laughs> you're moving to Fleetwood. Oh, we had a Fleetwood taxi driver in Blackpool this weekend as well. He was he was full of the joys of spring. With um, he was like, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a shide show next year with Barton being there and sort of we were laughing <laughs> at it. But um, yeah, so yeah, I had a nice game of golf with some friends and. Uh, didn't win won't be surprised to learn <laughs> not particularly good at golf but one shot where I managed to hit my own ankle with my ball so that was a positive um, I was in long grass though so yeah enjoyed that and then had a nice evening in a, in a local pub we sort of walked away from the front because um, we went to find somewhere nice to have a, a drink and a meal in Blackpool and um, found a nice pub just down the road from the ground which was which was good um, cool. and then yeah had a hangover got up the next morning then a bunch of us um, from the night before had agreed to go and do the Blackpool park run so we had four Shrewsbury Town fans. Um, one of our one of them was wearing a signed Jermaine Grandison shirt, and uh, yeah, went and did the park run, which I was quite chuffed with, and sort of that sort of got me going then for the Saturday. Um, and one of the the guy that had the Grandison shirt on said when he'd finished, he felt like he had Jermaine Grandison's bad hips, so he'd obviously he'd obviously run quite hard. Um, and then yeah, we headed down the front like most people, a um, few drinks, and uh, yeah, then the game, and then yeah, the rest of the day we went out in Blackpool later on, and, and maybe I'll come to that, but um, yeah, basically a lot of karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. 
good year. I did the um, I did did the dreaded M6, and it was a good journey. So I was hoping for a good game. Mm. Um, so in terms of who went, I've never. Um, this is the first for this podcast, Glenn. I got the number of town fans oh, from right. the Blackpool Police. So that was quite nice of them to, to tweet that out for me. So nice. yeah, it was two thousand five hundred ten town fans um, made made the visit, um, and um, yeah, obviously drawing the game meant we've only lost four times on the road all season, which is amazing. just bloody fantastic. That's an unbelievable um, stat. Yeah, just amazing season. I mean, it's interesting actually. Um, I was just getting ready for the pod on Twitter, and I saw that Arsenal have lost six times this season, <laughs> and obviously we play more games than them, so we play um, play quite a few more games in the Premier League. So yeah, it just kind of puts into context what a good season it is. So. Who played? So McGillivray was in goal again. Dino was on the bench. And this, as you said in um, the Peterborough section, that um, Riley came in right back here. And then we had um, Beckles and Sadler um, and Lowe uh, across the back. And then I'd say we definitely played Morris, Bill Morris and Nolan together and with yep. Jones pushing up. And with Gunua playing um, on the wing, with Rodman on the other wing. Um, and yeah, and Morris played up front. In terms of the fans, the fans were fantastic, weren't they? What an amazing, fun, you know, um, amazing atmosphere. It was, it was, it was, it wasn't as intense as Ch- um, Charlton. It no. was different, yep. but it was, it was, it was full of good humour. I would say, it's, in terms, you know, we've been to a lot of away games this season between me and you, and we've we've had some fantastic away atmospheres. And you know, when something's been riding on the game, it's a very different type of sort of support that you get, isn't it? It's very yeah. pressured, and but there was no pressure on us to win at all on Tuesday, but. But we had 2,500 people, a large percentage of which were, were a bit merry from a few drinks <laughs> and so, yeah, just wanting true. to celebrate everything this football club had done. And so for me, in terms of a positive atmosphere, um, I think it was the best atmosphere of the season for me. Personally. Really? I, I thought it was uh, fa- fantastic. Just because it was a, a different type of atmosphere, a very su- su- supportive, celebratory I, I can understand what you mean that Charlton and, and maybe Bristol Charlton Rovers for me was and, much and better, much better. I think, yeah, I think Charlton was much better because it was just I don't know, just the whole atmosphere and what it was worth and, yeah, and kind yeah. of the context of it all. But I can see why you enjoyed Blackpool. I like mad cap, mad cap crazy things going on. I like looking yeah. down and seeing people, sh- you know, waving sheep in the front of stewards' faces. I like seeing people walking around in fancy dress. I like seeing busy down the front playing an electric guitar, which is an inflatable. I just like seeing all the mad things that went on on yeah. Saturday. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I put best of the season question mark because I think a lot of people will disagree with that and a lot of people might agree with it and it's certainly uh, um, it's certainly in 20 years time or 10 years time we're doing the podcast you'll remember that do you know what I mean it'll stand out like bury away and and things like that and probably Charlton will still be up there as well but it was mad wasn't it and you know the fans dress was brilliant so obviously you know the last few weeks I've been talking about the podcast and I've been trying to get this going through the Blue and Amber fanzine um, and we got the club to sign up onto it this week and they even put stuff out on the, the website with the sort of poster and so I was a bit worried about how it go because all day on the Saturday I was in my Hawaiian shirt with inflatables and we were a bit further down from the ground obviously we went out at 10 o'clock so we were already there and there wasn't very many people walking around in it because it was a bit cold at that point in time so it wasn't really till I started to get close to the ground and then went in and looked up at our stand Ollie um, I don't know if you were already in there then but I looked up and it was just a sea of inflatables up in the air all yeah. different ones people in all sorts of different fancy dress and I was just like Thank God that's worked, and it just looked amazing, didn't it? Yeah. Did you see the video I posted? Because I was, yes. I was on the other side of you, so I, I posted a video on the um, the Salopcast um, Twitter account, and obviously the town fans, sorry, the town players come out, there's chanting, and then I just turn to the left, and it's just absolute yeah. mayhem Mad. of I've so many balls and all sorts of things bouncing up in the air. It was yeah, it was a lot of good. It was good fun. There was so, some cool yeah, stuff. Well done for for you and and Ryan who did the poster. 
Yeah, I mean, it went quite far, didn't it, Ollie? Because I don't know if you saw that even Brian uh, Rowland yeah, and Mal Starkey had, had wore... They couldn't obviously wear a fancy dress, but they'd all bought Kiss Me Quick hats. Obviously, they might have just gone in and got them from Blackpool, and they went in the director's box with them on. And it was going and around Twitter. they wore them Twitter. all game. Yeah, it was going around Twitter that, and, and Facebook that... Oh, it was a photo... Someone started saying, oh, it's a Photoshop. And I said, look, over there, there was a guy in a yellow jacket in the director's box. I said, look to the right. You could see him there in their hats. And I was just like... Do you know what? When something's got kind of gone that far, then that you've got the chairman and the CEO to sort of sign up to that party atmosphere, I thought, bloody hell, it's it's worked quite well here. So I was pretty proud actually of, of it going going like it went. And um, I should really thank Ryan Humphreys who helped me with the poster that got got the message out there. So um, yeah, thanks to him, thanks to Brian and the club for for backing the idea in the end as well, and thanks for everyone that did it and joined in with a fancy dress and and bought the inflatables. I said there were some brilliant ones. There was a bloody massive melon going around at one point and um, a massive porpoise type shark type thing, and there was a guy dressed as a shark and I don't know just the sort of things that you'll remember for a long time it's just the, the madcap nature of it so whatever happens next year we'll need to think of a new theme because might not be a Blackpool next year we'll have to think of something else and again if, if people can sign up it's up well it depends doesn't it it depends how the season goes how well it goes I think the fact there was nothing yeah. riding on it and everyone was positive made it a good thing but yeah I think we'll leave it there really it was brilliant I had a, I had a good old yeah. time yeah, it was good, and um, it was nice. Also, there was quite a few of the kind of um, similar to Salad Cast and Blue and Amber, you know, the Blackpool equivalents. Yes. Um, so the Tangerine Knights um, said that through the Towns fans were the loudest they've seen all season. Um, and then another um, account I saw um, was saying that we were the best fans they've seen for a long time. Mm. Um, so that was nice as well. So that was that just kind of puts into context. So the football, Glenn. Um, you can deal mm. with this because I was a bit drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you meandering in um, a bit late, um, and yeah, um, <laughs> I had it's all funny actually. So I had a couple of beers before the game, um, and a couple of bottles, and um, yeah, they were two for a fiver. I tell you Ooh. what, one thing about Blackpool is it is cheap. It's cheap and cheerful, it is. Um, it so is. it worked. So that was quite nice. So yeah. Um, but yeah, the thing that kind of yeah was kind of knew it was going to be a tough game is because um, the pitch was terrible, um, yeah. and it was incredibly bobbly. And obviously, there's one thing we haven't mentioned is there is obviously the the fans are really keen to try and get rid of the oysters, mm. um, which I'm surprised they haven't left yet. There is rumours that it's going to happen soon because they owe their um, uh, their joint shareholder ten million. Um, so hopefully it will go. But it's clear, you know, obviously there's been no investment. There was a lot of lone players on the pitch. Um, yep. Yep. Um, for Blackpool, and their pitch was atrocious. Um, so yeah, not there's good. no investment in the stadium at all. Like we were, we were looking up, and you know, I com- I complain about the leaks in the roof at our stadium, right? And, and now it's gone rusty. But we're about to repaint it and fix it, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? Things that we're doing in a positive way to maintain our stadium. And I should also say, Brian emailed me this week. Apparently, they found where the leak above my seat is, so they can oh, fix it. Oh, that's a shame. So um, yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> but we'll we'll see what happens next time it rains next season. But their stadium, the, the whole thing's rusting. From the inside and the outside looks awful. And it's looks just... it's a nice little stadium as well, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. a nice little stadium. It's got such a good setup. They've got the little we've got the hotel. Um, you know, you're not gonna find many grounds have also got a timber yard on there as well. So there's all <laughs> sorts going on. And the, the bird nests in there are horrendously horrible. I don't know why they don't clean them out because yeah, they won't It just looks a bit of a mess, doesn't it? But <clears throat> yeah, there we go. But the whole thing just stank of decay and the crowd weren't really up for it either, were they? There's only like no. two thousand of them and um yeah, I mean the one. Yeah, it was. It wasn't great, was it? To be honest with you. I no. mean, just before you get into the details of the game, my overall view of it from my haze was: I don't think we played very well. But we'll come through that in a minute. Yeah. So um, yeah, but there wasn't really much to remember though. From honest, Glenn, um, watching it back, there was more chances for Blackpool than I remembered. Yeah. Um, so the first half, uh, yeah, there was, was a chance after Beckles made a bit of a silly decision to go on to a bit of a, a take his man on, um, which is a bit silly, but um, we'll we'll forgive him. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, it was really poor, poor finish um, from from Blackpool 
Um, and good, yeah. And then he just basically Defonso just kind of ballooned it over, which is quite funny. Um, and then there's a fantastic one-handed save from McGlivery after they'd worked their way into the box. Yeah, um, Jimmy Ryan was quite instrumental for them, wasn't he, in terms of passing the ball around? Yeah, right. Yeah, and then um, and then um, yeah, then Ganua gets the ball on the flank. Um, passes it inside. Jones and Nolan both dummy in the ball. Sorry, Nolan and Riley both dummy and leave the ball for for Jones, who kind of sets it up onto his left and fires into the back of the net. Yeah. Um, now, I think it was quite poor goalkeeping, it's awful. Um, but it's still a, a good a good goal as such. But yeah, very poor goalkeeping. The goalkeeper kind of died really low. Um, and yeah, he, he he had number thirty seven on his back, and someone said to me he was an eighteen year old, but he did look a bit. He didn't look great, did he? He can't be their first choice goalkeeper. We we didn't no. know this, you know, the, the bunch of us I was with in that um, he was awful. There was so many. He had a couple of long shots. He fluffed out and, and almost got, you know caused more problems with, didn't he? And he didn't look particularly convincing from the high ball. He wasn't a good goalkeeper, I didn't think. But um, God, I don't no. know. How he did, I don't know. He didn't save that shot. It wasn't that hardly hit. I didn't think. No. And after that, then unfortunately, there was quite a few chances for Blackpool fired yep. wide, and then Alfonso headed wide um, after a after another foul given against us. Um, we'll come on to the ref later on. Um, it was so. It was a bit weird because they've been scoring goals for fun recently and I thought their finishing was atrocious. Yeah, their finishing was atrocious. Defonso could have got a hat-trick quite easily. Yeah, easily. Um, so we went in at half-time and then this is when the kind of the fun kind of... Look, fun, actually, <laughs> that's not the right description, <laughs> no, is it? No, it's not, um, Stuff started happening. Um, so in front of me, there was a few... Yeah, a flare, went, a flare or smoke bomb went off when we scored the goal. Yeah. Um, then another one went off in front of me to the kind of the right of the goal. Um, so that was a bit weird. Um and then well, it was in the it was in the concourse, wasn't it? Yeah, th- th- no, there was two because there was one. Oh, was there? Okay. Fr- there was one that happened on your side, and then another one happened with a guy. But it looked like he was acting like, and he was talking to stewards about it. He'd been thrown, but I never saw anything thrown. But that doesn't say you know he would have been a bit strange if if it, if it was his because he was with his two kids. Mm. Um, so that would have been a bit odd. So I just presume it was thrown at him, um, which is not very good because a little kid got hit by the first one. Yeah, a nine-year-old yeah. kid got great. hit by a flare, and that's pretty atrocious, if I'm honest. And then um, and then there was a second um, flare that was set off under the concourse at half time, which set all the fire alarms off, and all yep. the police and the fire stewards came in, and well, the, the police had already got involved by them because um i went to the i was desperate for the toilet must have been the beer and the drive um mm. i went down came back and some the stewards asked a guy who was standing in the walkway to go back to his seat and he decided it was a good idea to basically tell them to um, oh, f off dear. and i'm not blocking anyone and blah 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 and all this nonsense he obviously wanted a fight um and the, so the stewards came in the police came in so they that started it and then after that then obviously this flare yeah. was set off underneath um, I'm, not, I'm not surprised though because i went down to the loo about 10 minutes before as well and obviously i was down on the other side from you i've rarely been in a conf- comfort concourse that was as mental as it was 10 minutes before kickoff. Yeah. there were people in there two of my mates i went in and bumped into and there was and they were above other bunch of lights i knew and they were like they got in 10 minutes late because it was a big queue to get in and they hadn't actually gone out and watched the game yet. They'd had three pints under the concourse and they weren't the only one. There must have been hundreds of them doing that under there. And it was mad. It was going to go... It was combustible, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it was. Fortunately, there was no Blackpool fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, and, and there was yeah, nothing untoward happened in terms of fighting or anything. But yes, yeah, setting off a flare and in, your, in the concourse... Well, is a bit silly, isn't it? And we were going to bring this up in the sign-up news section, but we'll talk about it now, because one of the questions a couple of people asked me later on in the night out, we were talking about things that had gone on, and some people were saying, oh, the flares soured the day, and I'm sure they did sour the day for a few people, particularly the ones who were sort of involved in the incidents that happened, and, and the young lad who we, we wish the best to. Um, 
you know, do are you for or against flares at football? Would you just be happy to never see flares again, or do you think there's a there's a time and a place for sort of responsible flare like flare use, even though they're technically banned from all grounds? Or have you got no problem with flares as long as you know someone's not throwing them at children? I think yes. Fortunately, so the, the father of the kid did say he's happy. The kid was fine. Um, yeah, so the good, little lad good. was fine. So that was good to see. But um, I, for me, like Charlton, there was a smoke bomb, and it kind of made for a bit of the atmosphere. Mm, yeah. um, and I think if you know, if you've got adults within a month of adults, and everyone's kind of knowing what they're signing up for, then I think it's fine. But whoever the pillock is that threw at a kid, it yeah. needs to be banned for life. Because if you're throwing flares and stuff at kids, then you're a bit of a moron. If I'm honest. Yeah, I think that. Saturday displayed a very uh, blatant disregard for, you know, considered use of flares, didn't it? Yeah. If you're going to set a flare off, you do it at the back amongst the sort of hardcore fans that sort of all signed up for that. I agree with that. You don't lob it forward over the heads of hundreds of people and, and, and hope it where? lands on the yeah. pitch. It's just nonsense. It's pointless because all that's going to happen is someone's going to walk over, put it in a, in a bucket and take it away. You know, if you want the atmosphere and the sort of smoke to, to bellow around, you have it at the back. Having said that, even doing it at the back against people who are signed up for it technically, you've no idea about people's respiratory problems or, you know, any health complaints that a bit of smoke might suddenly cause a problem for, especially if they're agitated and excited about a goal being scored. So not entirely sure that there's there's a there's a there's an argument for flares, you know, the reason they're banned is that that's the reason there are a yeah. potential problem that can cause people issues. I guess at our ground, when we haven't got many people away from home, it's not a problem. When you've got as many people packed in as we had on Saturday, it was risky, I think. And, well, there's and two the, things, isn't there? There's doing it on the terrace and there's doing it under the concourse where mad. there's hundreds of people all drinking. Yeah. Which kind of stopped their enjoyment. Um, yeah. Which is quite, yeah. which is quite annoying. So, yeah, there's a few people drinking pints um, on the concourse. Oh, sorry, on the terraces afterwards. Yeah, well, at least it stopped people spending more money at the um, yeah the thing, oysters, which would have been happy for the Blackpool fans. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that that was the the, the flare gate. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess the second half was pretty poor. Um, <laughs> quite a few good. There was a good save by McGivery, um, you know, and then there was the the goal. Mm. Um, so I've watched this back quite a few times. I don't know if you've. Had, I don't think you've had the chance, Glenn. I think if you, if you did, you probably can't really see the screen anyway. No, so. I've seen it. I've seen it back actually. I watched it because at the day, you know, it looked like they've. Turned I guess you were again. in the pub, weren't you? So you've all been chatting about the football. So. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. someone got it on their phone and we had a look, and I've just had a look at it before we started. So yeah, I, it was offside. <laughs> So I'm laughing here because we're editing because Glenn just swore. Um, so what <laughs> it did was, you say, Glenn? <laughs> it was something offside. <laughs> um, you should have used your air horn, Ollie. That would have been uh, appropriate. Yeah, it was offside to me though, Ollie. Definitely, it was offside. Yeah. So yeah. I, I've watched it back a couple of times. I've also yeah took a picture just to post it on the Twitter and get some debate. Um, everyone seems to say it was offside. Um, the official flagged offside, and then there was a whole commotion like Rochdale. And I am getting a little bit sick and tired of officials because we've had Lincoln, we've had Rochdale, we've had this. And I just wish they could grow a pair. They made a decision, stick with it. Um, and I'm tired of, you know, there's all this respect came nonsense. Um, and I'm just a little bit sick and tired. And if you can tell, I'm quite passionate about this because I think yeah. it's just ridiculous because right it, run. The Blackpool players are doing the thing that winds me up as well, where the fullback gets the ball and he's kind of, you know, penned in. And then the, the, the winger comes near him and then he dies and he gets a free kick. Mm. I'm yeah. just there's so these things they need to kind of iron out the game. So there's my rant over. Um, I completely agree with you, Ollie. It, yeah. was, it was frustrating beyond words. Uh, yeah. And you know you can see why they messed they messed it up right because it was a long throw into the box. They won the first header and the guy that scored was not offside at that point. But the flick on went to another Blackpool player who then headed it on and at that point the guy was offside right. He's, clearly, must- he's wearing orange boots and orange socks. So yeah. I don't see why you can't see it. Exactly. But the thing they must have thought is yeah Blackpool won the first header. 
but our defenders won the second header and therefore he's not offside. But it's so clear on the replays that it wasn't one of our defenders that headed the ball. It's the so guy's clear. like six foot four. Like, yeah, I was going to say. He just out jumped our defenders, didn't he? So we got robbed again. Um, and, you know, they have so many chances to score in that game, to be fair. Yeah, let's be honest. Ones, <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. A draw was a good result, really. In yeah. terms of, um, I haven't actually looked for the XG, but... Um, the, God, um, the extra would have been um, massively in favour of Blackpool because they had loads of chances. And then there was two great saves. So Jones had a chance to score from a rare free kick for Shrewsbury. Um, we seemed to get about two free kicks after the, the, the decision to, to give them a goal. Mm. Uh, and Jones could have um, could have put us back ahead. But then, um, yeah, Nolan gave the ball away. And then a terrible effort from Longstaff, who's on loan from um, not, um, from Newcastle, fires wide. I think it's the pitch. So a good save McGlivery there. And then there was that header at the back post. And that was an amazing save with McGlivery. I don't know if you were. I don't know how, if you if you could still remember the yeah. game at that point, but no, that was a great it's save. It's on the highlights. It was a brilliant save. Yeah, he, one of a couple of good saves he made in the game, wasn't it? But um, yeah, he, he was good overall, McGivernery. Um Yeah, I was going to say about the pitch actually when we talked about it. It's funny that we moan about the pitch because I remember going there last year and where we won three two. Well, we did our best to throw it away, having been three 0 up. And that year it was even even worse condition. It was completely and utterly covered in sand. I don't know if you went to Blackpool away last year. I can't remember. No, I didn't. So funnily enough, the pitch we played on this year was a million times better than last year, but still not great. I agree, but. um, yeah, just one of many things that shows the signs of decay at Blackpool, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, so great save at the end. And mm-hmm. um, by McGlivery to save us the points, and definitely he earned us the point there. So I'll let you go first this time, Glenn. So who did you go for your top three? McGlivery was standout man of the match, wasn't he? He was head and shoulders above a lot of the, a lot of the players, I thought. He's, his saves were brilliant. Um, he came and claimed everything he needed to. He didn't make a mistake, as far as I was concerned, in the game. And... You could probably say that about him across the entire season, to be honest with you. And I stood with one of our friends, um, Andy Davis, who's an ex-professional footballer. Um, it's always good when you, when you chat to Andy, because he yeah. gives you so much insight and view of the game. My top two has been very, um, you know, sort of moulded by, you know, talking to someone who I think has a little bit more knowledge about the game than we do sometimes. Um, and he is 100% convinced that Craig McGivrew should not be dropped for Henderson from this point onwards. He should play the rest of the games. Um, yeah, I was chatting to Andy after um, after the Bradford game. Um, and it's, yeah. Well, yeah, it's always interesting to get his view on, on things. No, and he, he, he thinks that, you know, in a playoff game, Henderson's get outable you know, his mental state and some of the things we've seen that are going on at times. And, you know, maybe that might be the, the difference between a tight win and a, and a tight loss. So um, he, he thinks McGivrew's really good. So, uh, But regardless of what someone else said, he was fantastic in the game, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, so, he was. Um, and the other one who we talked about in, in length was Sadler. I, I think that, you know, he gets through a lot of work and he was sweeping around the back a lot. And, um, you know, again, talking to Andy and a few of the other lads, really, you know, his performance was, you know, really good in, in that game. And um, so, yeah, I gave him second place and I gave Beckles third place. Again, he was good. So, um, yeah, there you go. That's my top three. Yeah, interestingly, I, I've been switching these around. Um, so, yeah. uh, McGillivray obviously was number one by, by a clear mile. I think he won, um, I think he won um, Lewis Cox's poll by eighty over 80% yeah. um, versus Sadler. Um, so, McGillivray was brilliant. Oh, okay. um, and I went for Beckles second, actually. I was, um, I was kind of, yeah, I was trying to think. Sadler had a, a great solid game, but I think Beckles made some really good tackles in the box, which is always yes. very tricky and very difficult. So obviously he made that mistake, but I think his tackles that he did in the box um, and to stop them having shooting chances for me to turn in that second place. So yeah, good performance. And I think for me, Beckles is clearly a centre-half. Um, and he just showed, you know, what a good player he is, um, and it's just fantastic to have, you know, three good centre backs in the club. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was my I top three. That. 
I gave John Molyneux, who came on the podcast a few weeks ago, a lift back from Blackpool today, and um, we were having a quick chat about Beckles, and he was saying he'd love, you know, he's here for three years, that's what he's on his contract, you know, he's the sort of player, if we, we would keep him all through this period now, and he's a first choice centre back, or could probably not going to be left back, but maybe centre back, and he is that sort of player that will really be able to sort of hang our hat on and be a player to build a team around over the next few years. It doesn't really matter what manager we've got. So, yeah, he is an exciting prospect to have. Um, yeah, I, I think he's good. The only reason I put him through is I can't keep putting him first and second. Because <laughs> you think you're a favouritism. <laughs> exactly. I've got to be a, a bit fair, haven't I? A bit of a man crush. Um, there we go. So what did whoever we sent up to do the interview So say? <laughs> this time we sent Doigi um, to do the post-match um, Hurst again decided he wasn't. He was he had other things to do. Um, so yeah, so Doggy was obviously as you'd expect quite blunt. He said it felt like an end of season affair. He said Blackpool played quite well. A good point away from home, and some aspects of the performance need to improve. So that'd be interesting on Monday yeah. when they will have a bit of a debrief. It's an on the goal. Um, it summed up our performance. Not the first time it's happened this season, is it? And then he said there's no point talking about it. Yeah. So he didn't want to talk about the the refereeing. Um, on McGivery, he said he's made a good few day a good few saves. Um, and indebted to Craig um, for coming away from the point and on the fans he said fantastic support um, noise or game and he thanked them for the support and he wished that you know the, the team could have got the points for them so yeah um, short and sweet I think um, in terms of um, yeah his, his his kind of summary of the game cool no, it was that was it really so he was doing the interviews as we were sort of walking away from the game or as most people were doing probably heading back to the seafront to get in a pub again so um, yeah it was it was a brilliant day wasn't it to be fair and, and did you um, enjoy your night yeah we, we had a good, good time actually I was, I was going to talk about this in Salop News what I mentioned it now is that it was one of those one of those weekends where my my passion for football my love of the game coincides with the community and um, supporter side of it that I also think is a fantastic thing about being a fan and I think that if anyone doesn't have something like this in their life I feel a bit sorry for them because the atmosphere that night in Blackpool was amazing. It was it was absolutely brilliant. At one point, we were walking down the street at about half eleven at night, and there was a seagull just flew in front of us. And the, the bunch of eleven of us that we were out that night started going seagull, seagull. Oh, we haven't mentioned that, had we? Yeah, yeah we which was a fantastic moment in the game when the seagulls came in and we started chanting about it the seagulls. It was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> and it landed on the pitch, and they were sort of saying, "Knock it, knock it long to the seagull. He's in." Um, so we were doing that, and down the other way came a bunch of another ten blokes, and they started doing the same thing. And it was obvious they were town fans as well. Um, and yeah, and, and the whole thing was absolutely fantastic, and um, it, it's just nice because I'm, get, I'm getting, to, I've got to know so many people over the years through football, and it was like, you know, I was just thinking off the top of my head who I met. I met my, my wife's neighbours um, from when she was a kid, Rod and Heather. We met Busy in a, in a nightclub where he was pole dancing, which was interesting. Um, <laughs> I met Justin Gill, who's a, a young lad that was behind the Loggerheads campaign, um, who ended up coming along with us to a later nightclub. Um, I met Ryan Humphreys briefly. I met Pilch and Scooter, a lot of Shrewsbury Town fans will know. I met Paul, the guy that drives from Barry on Facebook, who I'd never met before. I introduced myself to him. Um, I met Lewis, who's um, contributed to the podcast before. He takes his daughter Jemima to the game. Um, unfortunately, that was after coming out of the toilet, so I didn't shake his hand. <laughs> um, I met Roger Groves and all his crew, um, Colin, A. Plimmer, um, his son Groover and his son Tom, and, and many more I'd never met before and, and got to sort of know new people and, oh, you're the blue and amber guy and, you know, oh, thanks for this sort of thing today and it's been fantastic, hasn't it? And that is what I love about being a Shrewsbury Town fan. When we have those situations like that, you know, way better than Wembley where I also talked about this because there was a pure joy about it and that made the night. You were sort of, you know, with with your people, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, for, for, for moments like that, you know, even if we'd lost, I don't think it would have changed it. It was just an absolutely fantastic night. And um, I think the highlight of the whole thing in the, in the night out before I, I'll just wrap this up was as we were walking through the town centre, much later than half past 11, I should say, we, we started a rendition of this new Omar Beckles chant that came out of Fleetwood. I think it's based on an indie song, and I can't remember what this indie song is, um, but I've got a little clip of it now, Ollie. I'll play into the podcast um, and then I'll come back from that. 
Yeah, so that's the that's the chant. I said, not sure what the song is, Ollie, but it sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it's good. And I saw, yeah, I saw, um, saw Beckles and tweeted you back. So I bet you probably, yeah, your yes. man crush would have been like, yeah, full, full bars. <laughs> it's good. And I didn't start the chant either. So there you go. Um, but yeah, apparently Omar wants us to get it going next week. So um, yeah, if anyone goes, that's on the if Blue he starts, account, he might be dropped and rested. Uh, I hope not. Well, we'll just get it going anyway. It's gonna be a bit. Another, it's gonna be a bit another celebration next Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, and there was a few good God- Ben Godfrey chants when they're going around on Saturday. Yes, as well. there was. So. Yeah, so that was fantastic, actually, and it was, it was just a good all fun round weekend and um, nice yeah. way to wrap off the away campaign, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think this podcast we've probably spoken very little about football and everything around well, football, which is which enough. is which is exactly which is the fun of it all. So, yes, yeah, let's move on to Salad News. Mark Drive beats the full back with ease, but a space now. Drive delivers, slides by Bloomfield, could go anywhere, keep it underneath it. So it's out. It's yeah! So, Salop News, we've only really got a couple of things to talk about. One of one of them is to point you in the direction of something that we did earlier this week. And the other is talking about Paul Hurst, really, because he's back in the news being linked with jobs, Ollie. Um, this time it was Ipswich in the Sun, I believe. Um, I've not seen yeah, it. Yeah, it was his in the Sun today. Yeah, but you've been sort of thinking about it and having a chat with people, really, haven't you? Um, some of some people that work in sort of different media things about it. And, um, yeah, what, what, are, what, are your, what are your thoughts, really, on Hurst and... What's going on? <laughs> yeah, so I contacted a couple of the guys that we've kind of get to know. You know, it's not Henry Winter or anyone, <laughs> but um, no disrespect to those guys. But um, yeah, chatting to a couple of guys in the media about what they've heard about Paul Hurst and a kind of contradictory view. So one of the guys was saying that he hasn't heard anything. So nothing uh, from his side that he's heard. Um, but then another guy who works um, in the media has said that he's heard that the Ipswich chairman is really interested in him, which is obviously mm. the same um, news that the, um, the Sun, on, Sun on Sunday reported that it's, uh, Paul Hurst is going to be a pro, you know, formally a pro after the playoffs mm. um, so yeah so um, yeah and then also there was the, the big clap uh, wasn't it, after the game um, on um, on Saturday yeah um, but I must say that he does that every time he always delays I agree to a certain extent he always does it and he's always the last one to come around but there was a very much a sort of he was sending players back specifically to have that moment on his own with those fans. Now you can read it one of two ways. You know, maybe it is uh, you know feed, feed into this conspiracy theory and and the reports that we're reading and and that potentially he's lining himself up to leave and he wants to show appreciation to fans, or he just saw two thousand five hundred town fans who'd had a massively brilliant day, had showed their love and care for the for the football club, they'd had a party and they'd shown their appreciation for the team and Paul Hurst, and he wanted to make it very clear that it was him saying thank you back to us, which. Yeah. It I think it was the latter. More likely was to be honest. Yeah, with you. I think it's the latter. Um, yeah, and hopefully Ipswich will um, sign a German manager and leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But it, you know, the Ipswich job won't be the only one that comes up this summer. Um, you know, Sunderland again are looking for a manager. Yeah. Obviously, they went with Coleman, and Hurst was one of the ones they were looking at. And the Sun or whatever it was reported that he would be formally approached or it will sort out to whether he'd be interested in the job. He, he wasn't then, hopefully, and they went with Coleman. Would he be interested this summer? Again, probably not. But you know, they'll probably be looking this way again. Um, and so, do you know yeah, what the um, do you know what the Sunderland one kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of um, Wigan um, when they stole the Portsmouth manager. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, Same division, yeah. but kind of you know, a, a bigger team. I think it's fair to say Sunderland are a bigger team than Shrewsbury. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to want to see. We can obviously talk about Sunderland pre-season. Uh, well, actually, hopefully we won't. We'll hopefully be in the Championship, um, but potentially we'll be talking about them next season. The most interesting thing I think about managers 
interesting again at the moment is we talked about the Cowleys and how you know Hurst and Cowley sort of kind of get keep getting put on the same level as those next ones to make the step up, and they signed an extended contract at Lincoln today. Um, what might have been yesterday after the game it was it was announced, but so they've committed themselves to the club, and and you do wonder. Why we haven't already got Hurst to do that? I get it. He's focused on the playoffs now, but, but he's also on that twelve-month rolling contract, so he's not going to change that, is he? Yeah, exactly. It's a good contract for him to be on, isn't it? And yeah. it doesn't really. But you know, should we be knocking on his door now, saying, "Look, we've backed you. This football club's backed you. The fans have backed you. Can you come and put your name down on a contract for our football club, please? Because you know you've done wonderful for us, and we've done wonderful for you." I guess he wouldn't do that and it'd be a bit of a bugger if he didn't but I don't know why we don't approach him to well maybe we probably have but we should be approaching him to sign a formal contract with us and, and try and start getting to build whatever happens next season getting to build either another promotion campaign or something that keeps us in the championship you know we need that security as soon as we can after the playoffs depending on what's happened if he is thinking of going I'd rather he went straight away and be done with it and we've got the summer to sort ourselves out. You don't want it dragging on for ages if that is the case. But one way or the other, we'll, we'll see what happens, won't we? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other thing just to kind of just highlight is um, we did a, a safe standing um, podcast in the week. Um, we did. So if anyone hasn't seen that, it's worth a listen. Um, we go into a lot of detail in terms of where we are, how we got where we are. Um, there was questions from fans and Mike was excellent, wasn't he, in terms of he's very well media trained these days. Um, yeah. Gave lots of answers um, to questions <laughs> for people. So yeah, worth listening to that podcast. Yeah, we did it to, to update everyone where we are just before installation starts, really, didn't we? And um, we've had quite a lot of listens from around the country, and I know that we've had other podcasts and other media outlets who've been sort of listening through it, really, to get up to speed with it. Because one of the frustrating things about Safe Standing for me this weekend, Ollie, was um, I think it was Friday morning, actually, before we went up to um, do the golf in, in Fleetwood. The EFL announced the next day after we did our podcast that they were supporting Safe Standing, weren't they? Yep. And they put Sean Harvey out to the media and he went on Radio 5 Live and he went on TalkSport and I believe he was on other shows later. And to me, he was awful. He, he he was kind of like, well, we're doing this, but it almost sounded like he was being forced to do it. And he never once mentioned Shrewsbury and the fact that Safe Standing is being installed in the summer on any of his interviews. And it was almost like... That, all right, maybe that's the next stage and they will be releasing press releases about that down the line but I was almost like when you're trying to release a campaign that the EFL are behind safe standing why not have had the Shrewsbury Town thing front and centre or at least mention it didn't make any sense to me so it's interesting that we put our podcast out with lots of information for fans around the country and, and our fans to listen to and yet you had the bloody head of the EFL who I'm obviously not particularly on <laughs> good terms with for various reasons but um, yeah he didn't, he didn't even mention it, it Just I was really annoyed on Friday listening to it yeah, he's a bit of a twerp, isn't he? But um, <laughs> yeah, we can't really change can change that. No, nope, um, we can just, we can obviously only manage what we're doing ourselves. And yeah, it's a great mm. thing for the club, isn't it? As we said on that. But so yeah, if you, want, if you want to find out more about that, um, we'll um, we'll repost that out um, in the week, so those people who missed it can get a chance to listen. So that yep. was that. And then um, also, um, Glenn, we did a competition last week for a print um, from Haley Inc. Um, and we, we did. I did. We did. I uh, got Bex to um, to help me with a video, so I've put that on Twitter. Um, and the winner is Martin. Um, but for those who, um, yeah, obviously Martin is the lucky winner of the print. Um, but what was the what was the question, Glenn? Just to remind everyone, what was the answers? Yeah, it was it was how many players and what their names were who had the second name Gale to a to a play for Shrewsbury Town. I probably said that better last week. I wasn't aware then, but um, <laughs> I think most people who entered know what the question was because most of them got it right, didn't they? So um, the answer was three. Um, the three players with uh, the second name Gale. Um, interestingly, I asked quite a lot of our sort of mates and stuff at the weekend about this, and a few of them could get it um, and it was either they couldn't remember the most recent one which was Cameron Gale or they couldn't remember the old ones which was Brian Gale and John Gale so yeah interesting that not everybody got it so yeah we had quite a few en- entries didn't we which we did. was fantastic um, so thanks everyone to entering and um, hopefully we'll be able to do some more competitions down the line but um, yeah well done Martin 
excellent. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try and get another competition for next year, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thanks to Haley and um, Haley Inc for the free yes. print. They're the guys that did that mug. Um, it's the mug you can see also on the the video I did on Twitter. So thanks for that. Um, so yeah. So um, and then in terms of competition, Glyn. Yeah. Um, you went for a, a 2 0 victory for Blackpool. I went for a one all draw, <laughs> uh, which now means I've got a six point lead. Um, so I'm not really, this is maybe a bit controversial, Glenn. Are we going to carry on doing the prediction into the playoffs? I guess we are. Um, yes, but there's only two weeks left. Because if we did the full season, I'd be the winner now. But um, I, th- I think it's right that we carry on um, into, the, right. into the playoffs. Considering I've only got 19 points across the whole season, I can't imagine I'm going to be making any startling comeback. And we've both been pretty poor this season. We've got way less points than we did last year. Did we? But but that's probably because we just said we would just lose every week last year. I remember we got a lot of points when we did that. We did. Um, So, yeah, so congratulations. Sorry, I think you've pretty much won it now. But um, we shall, for the sake of it, finish it off to the end of the season and and go for the MK Dons game. who are now pretty much relegated. I'm not sure whether it was mathematically done. Um, I think they've got a game on Tuesday where it, they've got to win that and beat us by like 18 goals or something stupid like yeah, that. Yeah, there's so, seven points um, from yeah. Oldham now. Um, so yeah, it makes it um, it makes it um, it makes it unlikely. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is mathematical. Then I didn't see all the results of the weekend, but um, yeah, I think we're going to probably put put them to bed. Um, I'm going to go two 0 home victory to round off the league season and that would be nice because it will take us to our most points we've ever got in a league season um, which will be 90 points so that would be a fantastic way to end the league campaign so I'm going to cancel you out um, I'm going to go for 2-0 and win as well <laughs> uh, oh that's unfair playing the playing the odds there um, but also um, just to kind of say that MK Dons lost 2-0 to Scunthorpe and their relegation was confirmed on Saturday um, okay. so they're managerless um, but they're relegated and it's just hilarious that you've got MK Dons who have a fantastic stadium, big setup in League Two, and mm-hmm. Ackerland and Stanley and Wickham. Um, that let's say let's not not disrespect to them. They have smaller budgets and smaller setups, and they're going to be in League One next season. So absolutely fantastic, and just you know, just for me, just proves why football is just so fantastic. Yeah, and the, the biggest disparity next season, Ollie, will be that Sunderland <laughs> are coming down with their twenty-three million pound parachute payment in their pocket. Thirty-four million pound parachute. Thirty-four payment. is it? Okay, thirty-four yeah. million, and Accrington's wage budget for the year is one million pounds. And <laughs> um, and um, and uh, what's the guy's? Yeah, is it? No, I can't remember the guy's name now. On who they signed from Everton, um, the, Rodwell. The, yeah, Rodwell. I nearly said Rodman, but I was like that's not right. Um, <laughs> is on reportedly on seventy-seven k a week, um, which is probably our in, our entire budget per week. Um, so yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting to see how they get on, and yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. But that's that's for for, for other times. So well, it's good we've made a lot of connections with the the Roker Report fanzine and, and podcast stuff. So they're going to be in our league next year. So they're going to want even if, more. Unless we but... go up, Glenn. We keep saying this. Unless we go <laughs> well, up. Well, yes, I shouldn't say that. I yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, we've got lots more to go on with this season. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll wrap this one up now. But um, yeah, good week. Um, it's going to be a nice little sort of last day party I think again not quite on the level of Blackpool um, but I think everyone's going to be in sort of high spirits aren't they for the last game of the season I won't be there Ollie so you'll be doing most of the heavy lifting next week but um, yeah we'll we'll catch you next Sunday yep cheers guys thanks for listening (laughs) 